Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of V Pirate Radio. We've uh, keeping keeping going on this one, so we're we're pretty happy with the way things are going. Um, we got a fun topic to talk about the future and and what we have coming up here. But let's uh, let's do a quick look back and see how everybody's doing over the last couple of weeks. So, uh, Jim Jones, let's start with you. Hey, Ron, how are you, man? I'm I'm doing well, doing well. Um, had a great you know, great weekend, had a, have a good and fun, challenging week coming up. So kind of enjoying life at the moment. Joe, how are you feeling, bud? I'm doing pretty good. We had a, had a nice weekend trip up to the mountains. So always nice to be able to unplug and get away for a little while. So a nice little reset. Yeah. It's honestly quite a uh, jealous to see the pictures you posted. Yeah, even if, even at the stock pond, uh, you know, going ice fishing was uh, was a fun experience with the kids and stuff. It's always nice to just totally get away from tech. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On my end, you know, I've treated myself to a new acoustic guitar recently. First one I bought in I don't know, about twenty years. So I've been playing around with that a fair bit. It's been nice, uh, nice to just escape, you know, with me and uh, you know, guitar. And, uh, you know, the wife and I, we thought, hey, you know what? Things are starting to open up a little bit. We're actually thinking about venturing out for a, a small trip out to the East Coast. Just uh, we have a long weekend coming up, flying in, flying out, staying with a friend out there. And we'll, we'll see how that goes. How about you, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I had an interesting week last week with uh, Cloud Field Day 13 happening and being able to to do that in person. Um, it's, it's one of those types of things I've kind of had on my list of things to do for a long time, be, be a part of tech field day, but a few years in the vendor space and other years being kind of really bogged down and not feeling like I could do it the justice it deserves. Um, finally, finally worked out for the first time in forever. So yeah, really, really good set of presentations. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of talk about Kubernetes, a lot of talk about, um, you know, kind of cloud infrastructure type stuff. Um, some good talk about security with Fortinet, um, which which I thought was was really kind of kind of cool there. So, been been a busy busy week for us, and you know, I took the wife and daughter with us, and are with me, and got to have a few days to ourselves out in out in the Bay Area, which was was super nice. Kind of like you were talking about, Joe, being able to kind of disconnect for a couple of days and get lost in some mountains is one of our favorite things to do. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Was this your first tech field day or? Yeah. Uh, as, as a delegate, I should say. Yes. Um, yeah. When I was at SimpliVity, we, we did do the presenter side of the table um, for, for one tech field day back in the day, but this is my first time as a delegate, which surprises even Stephen Foskett. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, for folks who may not be familiar with what Tech Field Day is, it's uh, you know, I, I think all of us on here have now officially done them. Um, pretty awesome event. You know, in the in the before times, you'd get flown out to wherever location, whatever city it was being held in that time, and you get you know put in session after session with all these various companies. Who most often they'll do these super deep technical deep dives and you're there to kind of poke holes, ask questions. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, the term delicate, I think is very fitting for, uh, for what it is. Yeah. I'm sure I've missed some of the nuances there, but, um, yeah, that, that's awesome to hear that you got to go there. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, surreal on many different fronts, not least of which was, you know, being around people. Um, I come from an area of the country that, 
doesn't universally mask up. Um, but being in the Bay Area, I had a very different experience. Um, in fact, drove into the city one day and watching people walk on the streets with masks was was kind of otherworldly, if you will. So how different was it being on the other side of the table as a as a delegate? instead of presenter. Yeah, that was interesting because we had we had some conversation the night before about that. Um, you know, Stephen, for, for those that are new, and there were two others that were, well, one that was new as a delegate, one that was new as an in-person delegate, um, kind of described the whole experience from both sides. And, you know, I was able to chime in as somebody that's been on the other side. Um, and then a lot of discussion about, you know, what, what, you, what you're going to experience, you know, don't have a lot of trying to trying to preempt the imposter syndrome, um, which even someone like me, who's perfectly comfortable asking really hard questions to vendors in a public space um, is a challenge more, more so than I thought it would be. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fairly, I kind of knew what to expect. So it wasn't too shocking, um, but it was really, really exhilarating to be able to just really focus on other people's technologies. I've spent so much time in the the vendor service provider side of things at this point that I haven't really been able to sit back and just truly enjoy the the variety of different things that, that different companies are, are putting out there and, and really kind of gives a really good perspective of the overall market where things are at. It's, it's helped me to really refine some of my thoughts around, you know, Kubernetes and, and other things like that. Yeah, I mean, so we're all pretty familiar with what Tech Field Day, Cloud Field Day, in, you know, Asterisk Field Day is. Um, and like I said, we've all been, or I think as Matt said, we've all been delegates at this point in time now. Um, I'm kind of in your boat though, Brian, in that I just got back um, the end of last year from my second Cloud Field Day, but it was my first one in person. Um the other one that I had done had been virtual. And from everything that I understand, in-person is a wildly different, that I understood in-person is a wildly different. Um, the event I did in November was the first, um, what he's calling hybrid event, which is, I guess, kind of what they expect to be the norm now. How many delegates were on this, were in-person on this one versus virtual? Yeah, we had nine in-person and three virtual. Um so we had two people that came in international, if I remember right, um, in person. There was, and then the virtually we had one international and two from the U.S. So good, good mix overall of of people both in person and and remote. Um, I think we had an in person presenter for every single one too. So that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. You know, I said the. Cloudfield Day 12, which was the one I did last year, was um, I think we were probably half of them. We had in-person presenters, um, and that was some of the feedback that we provided that would be a little different in that situation. But, yeah, they are definitely just such great events. And, you know, looking at the list of presentations being done at Cloudfield Day 13 um, definitely looked like some really interesting topics. So uh, good for you, man. Definitely. Yeah, no, that, that's pretty cool that you had a chance to go there in person. Um, you know, it's been a few years since I've been able to attend since I joined, uh, you know, the vendor side a couple of years ago there. And, you know, I have to say missing those events is, you know, one of the things I miss the most because they're just awesome all around. Uh, but, you know, more than anything, it's just really awesome to hear that it was actually in person 
right? And, you know, there's still that hybrid option and everyone's at different stages. You know, I'm in no rush to go back to an in-person event, but some of that's also just a matter of, I can't be bothered with, you know, I, I don't know what the current rules are. Pretty much everything for me is going to be international at this point, right? And trying to figure out how much of this is a pain versus, you know, what's the payoff for that? So I mentioned earlier, you know, we're looking at just taking a weekend flight a couple hours away. It's within Canada. Even just last night, I was checking. They've loosened the travel restrictions, so things are getting easier there. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where things go um, overall as an industry. Um, conference season isn't that far away. You know, any thoughts on what we're going to see as far as in-person, hybrid, remote only? Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see either how much Matt really wants to hang out with all of us uh, to see if he'll show up to an event if we say we're going to be there, <laughs> or what sort of overall global impact this is going to have on Coffee Crisp sales if we go back to in-person <laughs> events and Matt's not there to deliver. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Definitely, man. I'm, I'm, I'm jonesing for a fix. Yeah, I'm actually jonesing for a fix of seeing all of you find, find people. Yeah. So what's everyone's thoughts on, you know, Hey, like I, I know, for example, Vmon is coming up in May, you know, they're, they're looking at offering an in-person reduced headcount um, option along with, you know, uh, a remote option, you know, like say, you know, you were able to secure a ticket for that conference, you know, any thoughts on what that's going to look like? You know, is that something that would interest you? Do you think your interests align with the majority of people? Like, where do we think this will be going? I think it's pretty clear that hybrid's the the future, at least in the the medium term. Um, I can't imagine that any major conference is going to have completely in person, where they completely say you either come on site or you you don't get to participate. Um, I think we've proven that there's a lot of value in in being remote, even if you don't get the full value out of it. Um, even if it is, Hey, we'll just live stream all the, the sessions and you can watch whatever you want type of thing. Um, you know, the hybrid version of, of cloud field, they went extremely well, at least from my perspective. And it sounded like the, the remote, uh, people had a good experience as well. I mean, they missed out on a lot of the extracurricular stuff, but you know, the way, if you set it up, right, if the technology is set up, right, that's of course always the big, the big caveat. Um, it can, it can go very well. I mean, the, you know, we were able to see those, um, those remote delegates the whole time. Um, you know, when they, when they spoke up, they were big on the screen type of thing. So it was, it, it was an overall good experience. And I think that's been the biggest failure of the, the, the fully virtual events is that they just, I don't feel like they took the time to really do it the way that it needed to be in order to be the best it could. Yeah. I, I'm, I think it's definitely going to be more driven by how much people really want to be there in person to consume that content or or be able to participate in the hallway track to go for something versus be able to do the the hybrid option for most of these events. I will give Rick and, and team over at Veeam credit for the fact that they at least seem to have a pretty realistic view of, I, I think the number that I heard was one in-person headcount versus 45 that they think are going to attend virtually. Obviously, the content gets out to way more people if it is virtual. Sadly, we've all experienced that, you know, trying to participate in a virtual conference while still actually doing work means that we occasionally watch a video in the background while doing something. You know, it's, yep. it's totally different than being able to be there in the session or go talk to somebody afterwards because 
most of us are not going to do anything other than avoid work for a little while if we're sitting in the chat space in there, right? It's it's more for hangout than actually trying to get some some real questions answered or or get into the content. And I I I like the fact that they're anticipating um, that it's going to need to be you know a different experience for in person than it has been in the past versus what it's going to be for people that are there doing the the hybrid or the virtual only option, right? Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I mean, I, I say some of this tongue in cheek as a VMUG leader, the fact that we've got, you know, 23 user cons that are coming up starting in August, in uh, April for this year, where, you know, we're expecting to have up to 300 people per any uh, on-site user con. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to have individual day-long events and, and what the draw is for that versus somebody doing something like a vmon at multiple days or like a vm world where a lot of us stretch that into you know two weekends and the full week in between yeah i mean joe i I will i will somewhat second what you were saying that you know you mentioned the hallway track and to me that is that's what i feel like i'm missing at this point and i feel so the virtual events to me if anything are actually too polished um, they are so planned down to within an inch of their life. Um, and you know, you're, you've got the same, you know, if you take any of the ones that I feel like I've done in the last two years, you have it pretty much all the content crammed into 24 hours essentially. And then you're repeating that three times over for three different regions. Yeah. And, and so you're, you're really removing a lot of the capability of having, things in person, I think making those hybrid type events, which, you know, to your point, Joe, Veeam is what we, I understand is what they're they're considering and what they're planning. I think that may have the effect of slowing that down. I'll add though, that if there's any positive that's going to come from us having to go and do all the virtual events, and then now it's kind of snap back to the hybrid a little bit. It's that hopefully some of these events that we're still putting um, a lot of their content behind a paywall after the event, maybe this will stop that practice and, you know, make some of that, maybe if you don't do it right, right, you know, right up front, even if you're doing it a couple of weeks, a couple of months later, I think that's going to be a big benefit to everybody. Here, here. Yeah. That's a great point that you bring up there, Jim. You know, I, I'd love to give everyone's thoughts on this. A lot of us are used to with these online, hybrid event, I use that term loosely for most of the ones as of late, um, a lot of them are free, right? If, if this goes forward and we really start seeing a hybrid event approach, you know, would you be willing to pay for a ticket? You know, and if so, how much would you expect to pay the same amount if you still get access to all the sessions and the recordings afterwards? If not, why not, right? The, the content is still the same. Yeah, and I think what I expect we'll probably see is this year, as we start going back into those in-person conferences, I think we're probably going to see people like us that go mainly for the hallway track um, and, and for the conversations in person are the ones that are going to be coming back. And it could make for really interesting for those that are presenting on site, whether or not they'll have many people in the room. Um, I could definitely see it being a situation where the rooms are a lot smaller than what we're used to because there's going to be a lot less people sitting there to watch it and it's really going to be people like us who go to sessions to mainly for the talk afterwards um 
and, and less for the actual presentation. It's more to kind of, yeah, okay, I know most of these things. Maybe you learn a thing or two along the way, but I'm going to beeline straight to the presenter as soon as it's over so that I can have that conversation. Um, I, I'm sure you've all had the same experience of being walked out of a presentation room because you talk way past the point which the next presenter needs to get set up. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty, that's kind of what I expect is it'll be those of us that are really missing the hallway track. And if I think back to, you know, when I first started going to VMworld, you know, way back in 2004 and those early days when I was going for the sessions, I could watch those at home and, you know, I would just as soon say, Hey, I'm just going to sort of take these two days off. I'm going to, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to stay offline. I'm just going to watch, consume as much of this content as possible um, is by far the more cost-effective way to do it. Even if it does cost something. Yeah. I mean, I will say though, the pro, you know, and that is part of the problem as well is the stay home, stay offline portion of that is 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 a big part of the challenge of the virtual events is i find personally for myself it's almost impossible to to do that you know if i'm if i'm sitting here in front of a computer and i've got an event in one screen and slack on another and email on another the slack and the email are going to find me um whereas i can if i'm physically there i can more tune it out now um matt to your question um I personally would be okay with paying money for it. I don't know that I would be okay with paying the same money for it. Um, in fact, I'd be pretty darn sure I would be um, against that. Um, because to me, you know, conferences and those kinds of events, the draw is more exactly what you're saying, Brian. The I can go and I can touch this not touch this person that's wrong uh <laughs> i can go and i can go touch the uh, well, shit. technically not incorrect <laughs> but could be misinterpreted by some people that have yes. childish humor yes. <laughs> uh, we do shake hands and occasionally hug well, well okay so I'm that one don't worry yeah i can go okay so <laughs> shit um <laughs> We're not cutting this, by the way, right? <laughs> not okay. at all. Not at all. I'm okay with it. As our rating in iTunes just goes off the cliff. Uh, no, I get it. Uh, as if there is a rating in the hey, first we place. We have a rating. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely not getting cut. Um, but no, so the, the, the thought has completely left me at this point, which makes it even better. The train has been derailed. Um, but no, that's it. So I can go and actually talk to these people. I can talk to people like you, Brian. I mean, I, I've said for many years to anybody that will listen, the best thing that's happened at VMworld probably the last five or six years doesn't actually happen at VMworld. It's been the opening acts event that VM Underground and V Brownback put on the Sunday beforehand. Um, it's truly an introduction of new thoughts. It's truly an introduction of you know, actual panels where people actually have to talk about things and it's not just marketing being slapping you in the face. Um, and I've just truly appreciated that. And the fact that, you know, people come off those stages and you can sit there and chit chat with them for the next five hours is great too. Yeah. And, and I was going to kind of go that direction as well, which is, you know, while, while I run a party that many people associate with just people getting together and drinking, the, the drinking aspect of what happens after hours at these events isn't 
isn't the point. The point isn't to go drink. The point is to go and have a nice, casual, relaxed environment to sit around with like-minded people, share ideas. Um, you know, sometimes they're work-related, sometimes they're technical-related, sometimes they're completely neither of those things, and that's okay. That's how you build connections that you know pay off in jobs, pay off in in help on the technical side of things. Um, and, and, you know, alcohol does play into that. It helps to, you know, for those of us that are introverted, it helps to, to make it a little bit easier to have those conversations. Um, sometimes that goes well and we all know that sometimes that doesn't go well. So, you know, some people behave themselves better in those, those situations, but it, it does help, um, to, to be able to have that, that you just can't have in a chat room or video call. It, it makes a very interesting hard distinction right when you're when you're standing there with a beer and having beer talk with somebody that everybody has agreed not you know signed on paper or anything but at least has has made the social commitment that we're there taking the vendor hats off we might talk about the technology we might make you know specific points about things we're discussing but we're all there as community members or friends to just have this open exchange of ideas and things like that I feel like that's one of the things that also gets lost with all the virtual events too, is whether it's our own personal editing or uh, editing that has to be done by exactly um, the the marketing team or whoever else needs to approve videos to be sent online for these uh, events. You, you lose a lot of the in the moment thoughts that, that would come out or things that may come up in say your next session. If you're, if you're presenting more than once, uh, because of something that was discussed during a VM underground or an opening acts or something before the event started, or if somebody has a question after your first session that you want to clarify or makes you think of something interesting that might be more useful to people, right? You'll, you'll just kind of organically work that into your presentation that if you're trying to read through a script or like me to, to stay anywhere close to time because you ramble so much that you have to actually put things on like a teleprompter, I have to try and cut out any weird squirrels my mind might try and chase because that would just totally throw off my presentation. 100%. Yeah, so it just even the tack on to what you were saying there, Joe, um, you know, one thing that I have not seen work at all throughout the past two years of this pandemic and virtual events is the ability to recreate that where you have a room full of people and there's multiple discussions going on at the same time, right? And that there's just no way to really recreate that. And we talked about the hallway track and all that sort of stuff. And at the end of the day, I think that's really where the value of the in-person comes in, right? It's not so much a specific thing as much as there's so much more to do and discuss than what's actually just on the agenda, right? You, you look at these virtual events, it's like, here's a breakout session that still kind of drives me nuts at okay, it starts at three and they literally start a recording at three. It's not even like you could rewind it, you know, if you're five minutes late, see what you caught up on. It's like, you know, it's a recording. Um, but it's all the other stuff that goes along with that. Yeah. And as as a presenter looking at all this, um, to, to kind of give the other the other point of view, the the idea of presenting to a small crowd is... I guess there's levels, there's levels of presentation that, that those of us that have presented a lot kind of go through. There's the, the, the whole recorded session that we've been doing virtually for the last two years sucks. I don't think there are many presenters that actually like that style of presenting because you have no audience feedback, you know, you can go back and redo things. So you do, and it takes you five times longer than it would if you were just to stand up and do it. I, I spent like an hour 
um, year before last recording these predictions videos and it was supposed to be 60 seconds and it took me an hour to get through the whole thing because it's just like I could do this in one take and, and I'll save myself all the editing and instead I spent an hour trying to get one take that actually I enjoyed. Um, then you get to the level of the, the other end is presenting in front of a large audience, not, you know, the big stage side of things, but, you know, a large um, breakout room. And that's a fantastic experience as a presenter because you can see everybody's expressions. You're seeing when people are starting to be distracted by their phones or their computers or literally falling asleep in some cases. And, you know, hey, I've got to jazz this up or I got to move on to the next topic or I've got to do something else there. So you're you're that feedback is hugely important if as an experienced presenter, um, the in-between is is really weird. Like if we do get to this place where people don't go for the presentations, you end up presenting to one or two people in a room knowing it's recorded and other people are going to watch it later. So it, it really kind of is the worst of both worlds in some ways in that regard, um, because you I have a tendency to talk directly. If there's only one or two people in my presentation, I'll literally get off the stage and just sit with them. And let's let's circle some chairs and, and, and have a discussion rather than me doing my whole stupid presentation. Um, because that's most valuable for those people in the room. And how do you balance that with the fact that, you know, that other people are going to watch this later? Yeah. Just to follow on to what you said, I've, I've stopped committing to recording new sessions for the conferences. It's just, it's just not worth the pain. I'll gladly hop on the zoom or whatever platform and, and do it live. Right. You know, mistakes and all typos, you know, if I'm misspeaking, whatever, I, I'd much rather do that. But you know, that, 45-minute session, that could easily take four or five hours of editing because you just find yourself, okay, I need to nail this down. Oh, I made a mistake here. Maybe you can't read the font on here, whatever. So it's, you know, super time-intensive really is what it is. And you just don't get the payoff going back to what you were saying with regards to that interaction as well. Um, sure, I could, you know, be an attendee during my session as the recording's playing and I can answer questions and try to interact with people. It's not the same. It's not just a negative feedback either, you know, like you were mentioning about losing folks. It's also so rewarding when you're there and you see people starting to nod with what you're saying or you see the light bulb go off and they have that aha moment, right? And, you know, as a speaker, you know, selfishly, that's one of those things I, I just love and I really, really miss. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and honestly, it just, it, it kind of sucks as a presenter a lot of time um, to either have to present to a camera, right? Because you're not actually talking to people. And if you're assuming that this is going to have to try and compete with people's attention while they are watching email and Slack and everything else, or have your conference up at the same time, they're actually watching something on Netflix on the other screen because they figure, you know, at some point they may just cut over and decide to watch that instead. It's, it's totally different than knowing that you're presenting to people that are actually choosing to be there in a room because there's, you know, 20 other sessions they could be in at the same time. Or they could be sitting in a hang space somewhere, chatting with their friends or hanging out or things like that, right? It's it's just, it's a lot more interactive feedback you get from folks at the same time. And I always love presenters that can effectively do the choose your own adventure style of presenting of like, oh, hey, you know what? Here's three topics or three points that I'm going to make. And whichever one of these things actually keys in with the audience, I'm either going to ask them to choose or just based on the feedback I'm getting from everybody there is going to drive what I'm actually doing in my presentation. And they can just adjust that on the fly. You never get that in a recording. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, it's challenging on both sides. So I guess to, to kind of sum up as we're coming up to the end here, you know, I would, I'd recommend people, you know, everybody's got to make their decisions for themselves. And it sucks that some of us have to make hard decisions about not going in person to things. I know that's 
that's a hard decision to make. Um, you know, for some of us who, who may have social anxieties and stuff like that, this, I think this is going to be a, a boon for them is, is hopefully the hybrid side of things gets, um, gets really ironed out. Like hopefully the hybrid aspect of things, the vendors are going to spend a lot more time on than they did with the virtual side of things, um, to make that a good inclusive experience. Um, I, I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. And I hope the hybrid aspect of things continues on forever. Um, because there's always people that, that can't go for one reason or another. You know, money is, is definitely a big, big factor in it all as, as well. But, um, you know, if you can make it, take advantage of it because, you know, these, these conferences are going to be more lightly attended than they have in the past, at least, um, this year and probably next year, I would guess, and take advantage of it. Um, you know, we're all very experienced at the conference scene. Um, and, and I think we would all agree that our number one piece of advice is take advantage of the in-person interactions don't focus on going to to sessions the entire time. Pick the ones that are most critical to you and try to interact with the speakers. Try to interact with the other people that are interested in that topic. Invite them, invite them for a drink or for a meal and try to try to spend as much time with other people as possible. And I think you'll find that you get a lot more out of the conference that way. And it'll be a lot easier when there's less people there too. Also be nice to the loud, shameless folks that you see around once in a while, you know, be, be nice and just let them give you a handshake or a hug because some <laughs> of us are feeling it pretty bad. <laughs> True that, yeah. man. I, I will accept that. Cool. Any other last bits of advice you'd want to give to anybody with, with this move back to conferences, guys? Stay safe. <laughs> Respect others. Yeah. The, the best I can throw out is uh, chop your own wood and it'll warm you up twice. <laughs> says, says the emo lumberjack. Cool. Well, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, a pleasure as always. Hopefully, everyone found some found some use in this conversation that we share with you. And if you have any feedback, definitely reach out to any of us. We're we're easy to find out on the Twitters, so uh, that's probably the best place to find us all. So, take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.